Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? I hope you're enjoying this Holiday Diary series. Here's the next part, and I just wanted to say something about learning new vocabulary with this podcast right here at the beginning of this episode. Sometimes on the podcast, I teach bits of language, and sometimes I just talk to you. In this one, I ended up talking in quite a lot of depth about Scientology, and you'll hear lots of expressions relating to things like psychology, psychiatry, belief systems, crime, and law. But I'm not actually explaining or teaching that vocabulary directly. I'm just focusing on talking about the topic as clearly as I can, telling a couple of stories and so on. Just listening closely to what I'm saying and following the whole thing can help you pick up new language. And I always encourage you to try and notice words and phrases as we go along. But often you might not be able to notice certain words, especially when they fly past fairly quickly and only get mentioned once. And as a result, you don't really know what you're missing. So it can help you a lot if you also see some of the words and and read some examples and definitions. So what I've done is um, I've picked out a lot of those useful words and phrases from this episode and I've put them in a list on the page um, for this episode on the website. So if you want to use this episode to build your vocabulary, you can, um, either just by listening but... Uh, in a more focused way, you could just check out the list on this page, okay? This is episode 478, and you can find it in the episode archive on my website, teacherluke.co.uk. That's T-E-A-C-H-E-R, teacher, uh, Luke, L-U-K-E, dot C-O, dot U-K. Go there, go to the episode archive, episode 478, um, and uh, you can, you know, read the vocab list. In fact, often the page for the episode contains uh, notes or transcriptions or lists of vocabulary. So if you feel like you're missing some of the words sometimes, why not check out the page? You can find a lot of the, the words uh, printed there for you. Okay, so you could do that. Otherwise, you can just simply enjoy listening to this latest installment of the podcast, which is going to start properly right now. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, folks. Welcome back to the podcast. Here is the next episode of the Holiday Diary series. And this one was inspired by a moment during the holiday when my wife and I had an encounter with some members of the Church of Scientology near Sunset Boulevard. And it made me think all about the controversial things that I'd heard about it in documentaries that I've seen. If you don't know about Scientology, you might think it's something scientific, because it's science, science, sounds like science-ology. It sounds like something scientific or something related to science. And the name definitely seems to suggest that. But according to its critics, Scientology 
has nothing to do with science and instead is closer to something from creepy science fiction stories. Listen to the episode to find out more as The Holiday Diary continues. So two years ago, my wife and I had our honeymoon in California. I did a series of podcasts about it. You might have heard them. A series of podcasts where I talked about things that we did and saw on our honeymoon. Not everything, obviously. Some things were kept private, as you would expect from a description of a honeymoon, right? Um, But anyway, you might have heard those episodes. 200 and... I think it's like 288... Starting around episode 288 of the podcast. You might have heard those episodes. You can find them in the archive. California Road Trip parts one to eight. Eight. Eight of them. That's right. A series of eight episodes. I got a bit carried away with those, but there was a lot to talk about. And it's the same story with this series, the Holiday Diary series. I'm perhaps getting a bit carried away with this too. I thought it would be about four episodes. It's turning into another uh, series. Could be eight parts. I don't think so. I think it will be less than that. But I'm getting a bit carried away. But again, just lots of things to talk about. Uh, So many things to kind of get off my chest. Uh, I have to get all this stuff out of my system. And then it'll be back to the usual kind of podcasting. So we went uh, for our recent holiday to kind of celebrate the fact that we're going to have a baby and our our last holiday together, all that kind of thing. Um, This time we went back to the United States and spent a couple of days in Los Angeles. And then we explored some of the areas that we didn't get to see last time, like the canyons and national parks, where there are some incredible natural wonders, like things to see before you die type stuff, as if you can see anything after you die. It's a bit of a ridiculous thing to say. Who knows? Anyway, um, I haven't even got to those things. I mean, I keep saying this, but I expect that'll be in the next episode. That's where I'll talk about big rocks and stuff. Uh, Anyway, in episode five of the California series from two years ago, you might remember that I had that close encounter with the Church of Scientology. I actually went into one of their centres to try and interview someone. I thought that someone would just want to be interviewed. Uh, I was wrong, of course. They're not interested in giving interviews to the press, I think. Well, they were, no one was interested in talking to me anyway. They just wanted me to be interviewed by them. They wanted me to take a test and do this, that and the other. And um, I wasn't having it. I was like, well, um, no, it's all right. Thanks very much. Bye. And sort of left fairly quickly. Anyway, this time uh, on this holiday, we had another encounter with the Scientologists. Uh, when we happened to drive along the road where lots of their buildings are situated, and some of the science, Scientology staff were checking us out, looking in the windows. Some of them said hello to us. Ooh. I know, it's hardly a dramatic encounter, is it? We drove past, some of them said hello. Ooh, hello. I know, it's not very, it's not very dramatic. It's not exactly the stuff of Hollywood horror films. Hello, can we help you? Ah! You know, it's not exactly uh, that kind of thing. But the thing is, it was creepy for us because we've seen lots of documentaries about the church. And it is a church. It's registered as a church. So uh, registered as a, as a religion, I mean. Uh, we've seen lots of documentaries about it. Quite high profile ones. Uh, you can find them on Netflix and, and stuff. Um, we've seen these documentaries and we've heard some pretty odd stories about them. So it was really interesting to go back there 
in that area and see all those buildings, see all the people walking around them. It was interesting to go back there because since then, Scientology has been in the news quite a lot with more and more people making documentaries about it. Like, for example, Louis Theroux, the uh, British documentary filmmaker, one of my favourite TV documentary makers, and also the ex-Scientologist Leah Rimini, also, there was a documentary called Going Clear, uh, which you can find on Netflix. And it seems quite trendy these days to make documentaries, which are all about revealing the shocking truth about the Church of Scientology, which is basically one of America's newest religions. They've got buildings all around the country, lots of them in Los Angeles. And indeed, they've got Scientology centers all around the world. For example, we saw a huge Scientology center in Tokyo, when we were there earlier this year, I was quite surprised just driving along um, in a taxi one day, going to the hotel, looking out the window, massive Scientology Centre in Tokyo. You might have one in your town as well. So what is Scientology? Scientology describes itself as a set of revolutionary social betterment and humanitarian programs. So a set of programs that are revolutionary, like totally different, which are designed to make the world a better place. Social betterment, social improvement, and humanitarian programs. So they describe themselves as being an an organization based upon the idea of making the world a better place for everyone. And apparently, uh, according to them, their programs are utterly unique, indisputably cutting edge and most importantly effective that's from scientology.org that's what they say about themselves but scientology has lots of critics these days and its harshest critics describe it as this and this is a quote from uh, a website called operation clambake which seems to be uh, the main site dedicated to discrediting the church, so criticising the church. Uh, And this is what they say about Scientology. They describe it as a vicious and dangerous cult that masquerades as a religion. So it's a a, a cult that pretends to be a religion. According to Operation Clambake, Scientology's purpose is to make money. It practices a variety of mind control techniques on people which have been lured into its midst to gain control over their money and their lives. Its aim is to take from them every penny that they have and can ever borrow and to enslave them to further its wicked ends. Wow. Diverse, uh, different versions here. So either it's like this revolutionary new system which is going to make the world a better place or it's an evil cult which is all about just uh, enslaving its members and taking all their money in order to somehow take over the world. I personally find this to be a fascinating story. Is this a cult? What goes on behind the weird blue walls of those buildings? What is all the drama about? And are the claims of the people who abandoned the church true? And how is this related to movie stars in Hollywood like Tom Cruise? All in all, I find it to be a pretty intriguing story. So let's get stuck into it for a bit. Here's an exploration now, then, into the criticism of this organisation, which is officially listed in the United States as a religion. So Scientology is a particularly modern kind of dogma. This is what people say. Uh, One which begins as a self-help system. So it kind of sells itself 
as a self-help system and then later on reveals its theology, its sort of religious story, it reveals its theology as it goes along. So it's self-help system at the beginning and then as you progress through the system, it reveals itself to be a religion. So people start with it as a way to perhaps become more confident or deal with certain issues in their lives and as they go deeper and deeper into it into it and invest more time and effort into it and they ascend the hierarchy of the church they slowly are given access to the secrets that underpin the entire thing and those secrets are basically a creation mythology a creation story which could have come out of a science fiction novel but which is presented as being the true story of creation, as written down by the founder of the church, L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, L. Ron Hubbard, that's that's the guy who, who founded the church, also the name of the street where many of their buildings are, just off Sunset Boulevard. Um, so when we drove, when, when we turned right off Sunset Boulevard onto L. Ron Hubbard Way, uh, we noticed some creepy things. Creepy things that lots of people staring into the car, first of all. So everyone, we, we drove very slowly along the road. There lots of people on the, on the pavements crossing the road. We noticed people staring at the car and looking at me and saying hello to me. But somehow it was creepy because these guys were checking us out. Now, I know that it sounds like I'm the crazy person there because it sounds like just because they were smiling at me and saying hello that there's something weird oh they were saying hello to me they're weirdos i know i sound like the crazy person there but there was something quite creepy about it they're they're kind of staring at staring at us and saying hello to us nowhere else in the city had anyone been doing this we turn into this one street suddenly people are looking at us and saying hello through the window there were lots of people um walking around the buildings all the time like staff, members of staff constantly moving from building to building. There are security guards patrolling on bikes. Now, I suppose that's normal, you know, if you've got like a big organisation, it's quite normal that there are people moving around. But there is something just slightly weird about it, especially because of the stories that you hear from ex-members of the church. By the way, Scientology officially denies all of this criticism that I'm summarising, by the way. According to the church, none of this is true. Uh, they suggest that people are choosing to criticise Scientology for other reasons, not not because they have truth to, 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 to say, but they say that people are criticising the church for financial reasons. For example, someone like Leah Rimini uh, had made her documentary just to make money and because she's bitter because she, she left the church in, in disagreement. She's doing it all just to make money from it. And they say that there's no truth in it and uh, that the, the Scientologists say that they're just practicing their faith and that, in fact, Scientology helps many people and is basically a force for good and that they're just minding their own business, trying to make the world a better place. That's their position. Now, my personal opinion about this is that Scientology is like a lot of other organizations of this nature and that there are aspects of it that are probably quite good and that it does help to give people a sense of guidance and support and a belief system that helps them to deal with problems, especially at the beginning, but that at the same time, there's an unhealthy level of power, which is not subject to scrutiny because Scientology is officially recognised as a religion. 
And in the United States, there are laws which state that everyone has the right to practice their religion, and it means that they are, you know, tax exempt. Uh, they don't have to publish their taxes and things like that. So the church, you know, it doesn't pay tax and it's protected in other ways by law. And that people involved in the organization are capable of doing bad things. Now, here's an example. I'm going to give you an example now from a TV show about Scientology that we happened to catch in one of our hotel rooms later in the holiday. So later in the holiday, after we'd uh, driven past the Scientology buildings, we were lying uh, on our hosp- on a hospital bed. No, uh, on our no no drama. We were lying on our hotel bed as you do, flicking through the TV channels. Now, uh, previously, I'd said that I discovered a uh, show with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Well, the only other show that we found that was interesting was this documentary by Leah Rimini, this actress who used to be a Scientologist and who left and then made this award-winning documentary. The documentary is called Leah Rimini, Scientology and the Aftermath. It's a documentary series. Uh, by the actress who used to be in the church. She joined as a child with her parents. So she was introduced to the church as a child, not as an adult. But then she left the church in acrimony, meaning like disagreement, legal legal, legal battles and stuff. Um, as actually many high-level Scientologists have done uh, in the in the recent in recent years, like m- f- many f- quite high level Scientologists have left the church fairly publicly amid sort of uh, big disagreements. Apparently, it's very hard to leave the church, especially if you criticise the church. Here's the story that we saw in the documentary while we were sitting on the on the bed in the hotel. So a while ago, not sure exactly when it happened, but a while ago, the son of a family which was involved in the church, came to the Scientology building that we drove past and he threw a hammer through the window uh, of the building in a rage, in an angry rage. He came with a hammer and he threw the hammer through the window. Apparently, he says that the church was splitting up his family, breaking the family up between people who wanted to leave the church and others who wanted to stay in the church and that the church was splitting up the family. According, now, according to Scientology, right, if you leave the church, especially if you are critical of the church when you do it, you become what they call a suppressive person, an SP. A suppressive person is a label. This is a label that they put on certain people, and it means that a suppressive person is someone who's trying to suppress the church in some way. Someone, Somebody's trying to hold the church back, trying to prevent them from achieving their goals in some way. Now, you don't have to leave the church to be a suppressive person. Just criticising the church is enough. If you impede the progress of the church or individual members, you become an SP, which basically means you become an enemy of the church. This is kind of, they use SP, suppressive person. They use this kind of language. It's like distancing language. It becomes a label which is used to distance uh, other people. This is one of the features that there uh, there are some ways of um, like evaluating whether an organization uh, can be described as a cult. Now, Scientology is a bit sort of borderline. In some ways, it fits into the category of a cult, and in other ways, it doesn't. The w- and, and this is sort of one of the ways that it might fit into the category of a cult, because it does this kind of... It, uh, these things that distance people from the church. It's a very it kind of 
uh, creates this them and us uh, mentality. And using labels like suppressive person is, sort of, is a sort of way of doing that. Um, so if you become an SP, you'll be ignored by the church or possibly even subject uh, to, uh, to fairly hostile behavior, such as being followed by members or filmed uh, when you're in public or having articles published about you that are very uncomplimentary. You might find it harder to find a job in town if there are Scientologists in high positions in the industry, like, for example, in the movie industry uh, in Hollywood. Um, so if, for example, you have an SP, a suppressive person in your family, and you're in the church, you would be encouraged, in inverted commas, to disconnect from them. Um, now, if you're particularly high in the church, the pressure will be pretty severe. Either you disconnect from the family or you will be shunned by the church. There's that word shunned again. Uh, so either you disconnect from the family or you will be shunned by the church, which might mean all of your friends, your work, your whole world, your whole belief system, uh, you'll be, you'll be um, sort of ejected from it all. So the guy who threw the hammer was part of the church, young guy, and it was, it was later discovered he was suffering from mental illness at the time. He was having a bipolar episode. Okay. Now, bipolar disorder, which is a term used by the, um, it's, it's a term used in psychiatry, uh, it, it, it used to be called manic depression, but bipolar disorder is a, is a mental disorder. It's a, a recognized mental disorder that causes periods of depression and also periods of elevated mood. The elevated mood is significant and it's known as mania or hypermania. And depending on its severity or, or, or whether symptoms of psychosis are, are, are present, you know, it, it's either mania or hypermania. It can be very severe. It can be a, a full-on psychotic episode. So someone suffering from bipolar disorder, uh, especially if it's very severe, they might suffer from genuine psychotic episodes. This is where, for example, uh, they experience um, uh, like even hallucinations um, uh, and uh, like manic energy, um, that kind of thing. All right. So it's a, it's a genuine uh, psychiatric uh, mental condition. This is what he was suffering from at the time partly brought on by the by the strain and the stress of the fact that his for him his family was being split apart and he was losing his brother who he loved so much so this is the guy who threw the hammer through the window having a bipolar episode now scientology doesn't agree with or doesn't believe in conventional psychology psychiatry or psychotherapeutic practices okay uh, they have their own belief system about mental illness, which was originally written down by L. Ron Hubbard, the founder, who is who is dead. He's he died uh, 1986. That's that's when he actually died. So uh, L. Ron Hubbard, uh, the founder, wrote down his own version of a sort of belief system about mental illness, which is basically that you have spirits inside you that have to be set free. And these spirits that sort of exist within our bodies and on our bodies are responsible for the mental illness that we suffer. Now, th this is interesting because this is the stuff that apparently is revealed later on when you reach the higher levels of the organisation. They actually reveal to you that the, 
the the underpinning the underlying story now in the early days they say that it's like repressed emotions or um bad experiences that you had in childhood basically the same kind of stuff that a therapist would say to you like a freudian you know psychoanalyst might say you know that you're you're depressed or you have problems uh, or your your lack of confidence comes from uh, problems that you had when you were younger or it comes from your past like repressed fears uh, trauma that you had in in the past and in the early days of Scientology, they basically kind of tell you that kind of thing. They just use different language. But then later on, it's revealed that this stuff actually is more of a sort of spiritual story and that uh, uh, your problems are the result of spirits that are trapped inside you that you have to set free. And in order to, to, to get rid of these spirits, you have to confess your deepest, darkest secrets or use other vague techniques uh, like that. Okay. Um, so, L. Ron Hubbard. Let's have a little background on him. He's the man who founded the religion. After World War II, uh, Hubbard became a science fiction writer. He wrote science fiction novels, and he was incredibly pro- prolific. He was a bit like, you know, George R. Martin, the guy who did Game of Thrones. Was it George? Is it George R. Martin? I can never remember. George R. R. Martin, I think. A bit like J. R. R. Tolkien or something. Anyway, uh, a science fiction writer after World War II, incredibly pro- prolific. I think he holds the record for the most number of, of uh, fictional works of, of science fiction. He also wrote a, a sort of self-help system, which he called Dianetics. And Dianetics is the basis for Scientology. Here, here are a couple of paragraphs about Dianetics from the Scientology website. This is how they describe it. Okay, so what is Dianetics? This is from the the Scientology website. L. Ron Hubbard discovered the single source of nightmares, unreasonable fears, upsets, insecurities, and psychosomatic illness. And that is the reactive mind. In his book, Dianetics, the Modern Science of Mental Health, he described the reactive mind in detail and laid out a simple, practical, easily taught technology to overcome it and reach the state of clear. Dianetics is that technology. Dianetics is defined as what the soul is doing to the body. When the mind adversely affects the body, it's described as a psychosomatic condition. Psycho refers to mind or soul and somatic refers to body. Thus, psychosomatic illnesses are physical illnesses caused by the soul. Okay, so it's all caused by the soul. Uh, It goes on to say, in Dianetics procedure, the individual recounts an incident of unconsciousness from beginning to end until the engram is reduced, which means all the charge or pain is taken out of an incident or erased, which means the incident has vanished forever. In either case, the individual is free of the aberrative effect of the incident and can experience enormous relief and arise in emotional tone. This is the miracle of Dianetics. Well, so there's a lot of language in there. Some of that language is kind of jargon used in Scientology. Now, we've got the idea of psychosomatic illness. Now, that psychosomatic is a word that's used um, by everybody. And it means, for example, when... Yeah, it's like exactly how it's described here, actually how the mind can affect the body. 
For example, some illnesses people say are psychosomatic. That's where maybe a mental problem is creating physical symptoms. Or it could describe the effect of a placebo. Placebo is a drug that doesn't actually contain any medicine. It's like a fake drug. It's used in, in, in clinical trials and testing. So, for example, one person is given the real drug, another person is given the placebo, like the fake drug, and you can sort of test the, the, the difference in effect between the two and see if the drug has any, fe- any effect that the placebo doesn't. And what's interesting is sometimes when you give per- a person a placebo, a fake drug, like just a sugar pill or something, they will actually experience physical symptoms as a result of having the drug just because they believe that they've taken the drug. And that is a psychosomatic effect. So that's the word psychosomatic, which is used here uh, in this description, just like everyone else uses it. But a few other words in there like engrams. Engrams, I guess, are things that cause you the problems, like it could be a, a bad memory, could be described as an engram. And also we had aberrations, aberrations, uh, just another way of saying like uh, symptoms of mental illness. Um, Okay, now some points to notice here about that description um, about Dianetics from the Scientology website. You can see that it uses its own specific language, including certain made up words. And And when you're redefining the language, you also you're redefining the way you talk about and understand reality. Okay? Uh, Most of these ideas already exist in mainstream psychology, like Freud's ideas about the ego, the superego, and the id, and the positive effects of therapy on people suffering from neurosis. So it's not quite as cutting edge as it says, you know, because most of these things already exist. So the benefits from Scientology's auditing sessions, these are sessions where... Uh, people, you know, talk about their past and and uh, talk about uh, painful memories. The, the 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 benefits from those sessions can be achieved from any therapy session, really. Perhaps what's more seductive about it is that you believe that you're part of a detailed system that even includes certain technology. None of the ideas in Dianetics are subject to scientific testing of any kind. It's all just doctrine written by this one man which is a bit worrying. You know, if it's just all based on one guy's writing, a guy who also happened to write a lot of science fiction. Um, so all this so-called technology, it's just one guy writing, no scientific testing involved in it. It's just one guy's words. It mentions at the end the miracle of Dianetics. So it explains all of the methods fairly clearly and sort of gives the impression that they are scientific. But in the end, it says it's a miracle. And what is a miracle? Well, a miracle is something that is an act of God, or at least something that happens outside the understanding of science. So first of all, there's all this talk of psychosomatic illness and the sense that you're dealing with something scientific, but then in the end, it turns out, oh, it's all a miracle. So this to me suggests that it's a kind of a religious cult which presents itself as a scientific method for improving yourself. When all that stuff all the, the stuff about psychosomatics and engrams and aberrations and all that kind of thing, that's basically kind of what people say is psychobabble, kind of generic or uh, ambiguous language that sounds like it's scientific or psychological 
and instead it's just kind of meaningless but it gives people the impression that there's something scientific at work and then at the end it just writes it all off as a miracle now l ron hubbard initially offered dianetics his self-help system he tried to offer it to the american psychological association because he wanted it to be accepted and authorized he wanted it to be um you know spread around the world he wanted it to be um validated and so he he offered it to the american psychological association but they rejected it right they said it had no grounding in proper science they rejected it as a pseudoscience, which means a fake science. And as a result, Dianetics has never been seen as a legitimate system. Apparently, this was humiliating and embarrassing for Hubbard. This is what I saw in the documentaries that I've seen. And yet he was committed to bringing his system to the world, even though embarrassingly for him, humiliatingly, it was his system was rejected and so the system was never really properly valid, validated. He was still committed to bringing his system to the world. He still believed that uh, his system was going to change the world. Now, I don't know what motivated Hubbard. Some people have called him a visionary. Other people have called him an outright fraud. Not Freud, but a fraud, meaning someone who um, is just pretending. And other people have suggested that he was even insane in some way. Was he insane? And did he really believe all his own writings about alien spirits that were sent to Earth by a celestial being trapped in volcanoes and blown up by hydrogen bombs and that those spirits now live in and in fact all over our bodies and need to be set free? Because that's, that's the story, folks. I'm going to go into that in, in a minute. Did he really believe that or was he just making it all up on purpose? and developing a sort of cult of personality around himself as some form of narcissistic power trip. What's really going on? Or maybe he's right and we're all wrong. That you know, All of us, the non-believers, or in fact the believers of other religions or other stories, maybe we're all wrong and he's right. All of us may be wrong, the sceptics, and also possibly the people who follow all the different religions in the world with their own creation stories. Maybe we're all wrong. And Scientology is the true account of what this world is about and where we come from. What do you think? Which narrative do you think is most likely to be true? Is it going to be the Scientology one, the sort of scientific one, or other religious narratives? Uh, now, maybe it's true. Scientology is all true. Or perhaps all of the people who follow Scientology are brainwashed by its methods and are basically just looking for a thing to believe in, or maybe they're just looking for some guidance in their lives. Maybe they're looking for a sense of community. They might be looking for a sense of purpose, a moral framework, a way to get rid of their problems, a father figure. And this just happens to be the one that they end up with, and maybe it works for them. Maybe that's what's going on. Anyway, Scientologists hate psychology, psychiatry, and they reject them strongly. Now, going back to the story of the young man who threw a hammer through the window of the Scientology building, this mentally ill kid suffering from bipolar disorder, young guy, I don't remember how old he was, but I called him a kid. I think he was like late teens, early 20s, something like that, suffering from bipolar disorder. Now, this guy was given the Scientology treatment because he was 
actually part of the church, he was a member, they gave him the Scientology treatment to help cure him of his mental problem. So this was the this was Hubbard's treatment for dealing with mentally ill people. And basically, they locked him in a room on his own for days and days on end. Apparently, they thought that the issue would just sort itself out in time as long as he was left alone in total solitude. Now, that's a very dangerous thing to do to someone with bipolar disorder, suffering a manic or psychotic episode. That's a dangerous thing to do. Just to reject for the psychiatry or the, the potential medical uh, solutions with, uh, with medicine, reject all that and instead decide to just put him in a room on his own. Apparently, instead of getting better, the guy was crawling the walls. Not literally, maybe literally, but it, crawling the walls is a metaphor to describe when someone is losing their mind. You can imagine them kind of crawling up the walls, but mentally. It's not a nice expression, really, although it's quite descriptive. So the guy was crawling the walls. He was delusional, hallucinating. He was in the grips of a full-on bipolar manic episode. The so-called treatment exacerbated it completely. Exacerbated it, made it worse. So this, this, this kid was not only prevented from getting proper treatment, meaning the right medication and care, but he was also given this sort of 18th century treatment involving locking him in an isolated room. Now he's out of the church after that experience. He, he managed to find his way into uh, a hospital. He received psychiatric care, which worked. He now rejects the church. He gets proper treatment. He's doing okay. But he's lost his brother forever to the church because having left the church himself, he's now considered to be a suppressive person and he's been disconnected. So his he doesn't have any contact with his brother anymore. He's lost his brother. Now, apparently there are, there are lots of cases of the church overlooking things like this or just dealing with things in a way that suggests they, they don't care about their members. Lots of cases of the church overlooking things like mental illness, physical illness, and even cases of child abuse as part of their efforts to spread the church. This is all stuff that we saw in the documentary by Leah, Leah Rimini also in the documentary Going Clear. So we drove past the Scientologists. They all stared at us through the car windows. One or two of them said hello. No doubt they have my picture because they, they, they have a lot of um, surveillance around those buildings. Now, why did some of the people say hello? Now, maybe they were just being friendly, which is fine. That's great. I'm sure that they are very friendly, actually, you know. Uh, on first contact because I remember two years ago when I was there before uh, if you remember we had some breakfast in a really good cafe just over the road from the building where they did amazing pancakes we went for the pancakes we were surprised to see the Scientology building and that's what kind of kicked off my interest so two years ago I was so curious about them I actually went up I walked over the road and I went up to speak to one of the people walking around the building she was chatty and nice. She took me into the building. I had a look around. This big, big building with all these huge displays of L. Ron Hubbard's books. Just big shelves of Dianetics. Just loads of copies of Dianetics. And video displays and leaflets and things like that. Uh, so I went in. They, they wanted me to take a test. 
That's what they do. They kind of give you a test, and, and, and that's the first point of contact. I said I wanted to interview someone, but they declined. They, they didn't want me to actually interview anyone. I also remember seeing the Scientologists in London standing outside their Scientology centre on Tottenham Court Road. They were very friendly, but also very insistent, trying to persuade you to come in and take a personality test or a stress test. A bit like those charity workers. You know, when you see people in, they might have like a, a bib on with, with like the name of a charity on it like a bright coloured bib or maybe a clipboard in their hand. You're walking down the street and they kind of jump in front of you. They kind of accost you in the street with a big, huge smile. They're extremely insistent. They want you to sign your name and give your email address and give money to the charity and, and pay money to it every month and stuff like that, probably for a good cause. But when you're busy and you're trying to get somewhere, um, you know, you have to just ignore them because otherwise you're going to have one chasing you down the street. And you you end up having a conversation uh, and, you know, even if you already give money to charity, um, you know, it can just be a bit disruptive anyway. So, you know, they, they were a bit like that uh, in London. Now, uh, so maybe they're just friendly. They just want you to come in and take a test. My wife thinks that people said hello because they thought we were members of the church, which is possible. Maybe they were saying hello to us because, you know, driving down that road, they probably assumed that we were members of the church everyone outside the building was wearing blue lots of people in blue shirts and blue and by coincidence we both happened to be wearing blue that day as well so maybe they thought that we were one of we were members of the church or something personally i think they kept saying hello to us because they wanted me to come in for a test the test is usually the first point of contact that you have with the church they attract people in by offering a free stress test or a personality test now Everyone's attracted by a stress test. It's quite an attractive idea if you just a quick test to see if you're stressed. Check your stress levels. Most people want to know how stressed they are. Most people probably feel that they're a bit stressed and they they want to know for sure. Most people are also curious about what a personality test will say about them. So these are quite effective ways of getting people in. Apparently they sit you down, they give you the personality test. Uh, which is one of those tests that makes you feel like your whole personality is being assessed and then read back to you. And it takes ages and ages and it's really complicated. So you've invested lots of time in it. And if you're a bit gullible, if you're a bit suggestible, you'll probably really believe that they identified you as a certain personality type. And then they'll feed you some personalised feedback, give you a bunch of videos and leaflets, and then have you come back for a reading, or they'll give you a reading then, an audit, your first audit. In the audit, uh, if you agree to do it, they take you into a little private room. You sit down, and in your hands, you hold these two metal tubes connected by wires to a little machine called an e-meter. So you're sitting there with these two metal tubes in your hands in a, in a, in a, uh, a room just you and the auditor, and then the auditor starts to ask you ask you lots of questions. Immediately, the questions will be things like, I want you to tell me, I want you to close your eyes, and, you know, and then they do some sort of hypnotic suggestion, uh, which is probably designed to help someone go back into their old memories again. They may count down, you know, from 10, 10, 9, 8. For example, I'm going to count down and by the time I get to zero, uh, you'll be able to remember your most painful childhood memories. I want you to tell me about them in as much detail as you can. Ten, nine, 
These are suggestive techniques, essentially. They're used in many a, a number of different scenarios, in hypnosis, in therapy sessions, and also in a, in a Scientology audit. Um, okay, so you're then asked to talk about negative feelings, painful memories from your past. While you're holding these metal tubes, which are connected to the E-meter. Now, what's the E-meter? This is from Wikipedia. They say the E-meter is a device for displaying and or recording the electrodermal activity of a human being. The device is frequently used for auditing in Scientology and divergent groups. The efficacy and legitimacy of Scientology's use of the E-meter has been subject to extensive debates and litigation. That's like legal legal cases. Um, and in accordance with a federal court order, the Church of Scientology now publishes disclaimers in its books. These are like legal statements where they say that they are, you know, for example, taking away claims. They have to publish disclaimers in its books and publications declaring that the e-meter by itself does nothing and that it's used specifically for spiritual purposes. So the metal tubes are connected to the meter, which and the meter has a little display, like a little arm, like an arm on a watch, but longer, that moves or twitches to the left or right, sometimes because of stimulus from the metal tubes. Basically, I think that the e-meter uh, reads uh, electrical impulses on your skin. So and and the the arm twitches whenever there's electricity running through your skin, okay. And and sometimes if your nervous system is active, for whatever reason, this might show up on the on the reader. The arm might twitch if there's any activity in your nervous system. Now that could be you know like the way sometimes you feel a bit nervous and uh, you might you know feel a certain sensation in your hands. That might be your nervous system sort of you know, impulses coming through the nervous system. You can feel them in your in your fingertips, for example. You know, I mean, our, our whole bodies are a network of, of uh, 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 it's a whole neural network that runs through your body. Electricity runs across your skin all the time. So the e-meter responds to those electrical impulses. Now, they might have significance in terms of the things you're thinking, but really... It's just that the e-meter responds to electricity running through your body. It doesn't necessarily respond to specific contents of your memories. Now, you might get certain feelings. You might get electrical impulses when you think about painful memories. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the e-meter is able to pinpoint specific events uh, as more, more or less significant than others. So anyway, you sit and they ask you questions designed to make you go deep into yourself and reveal secrets and painful thoughts and then talk about them. The recording, or sorry, the reading, the audit, all the things you're saying, that's recorded as well. They record it so they have records of all of your secrets, by the way. They, they keep them on record. So, so you can imagine that if you are a high-profile member of the church who has spent a lot of time over many years doing many, many audits like this and revealing all of your dark secrets to the church, you can imagine that you might not want to speak out against them. You might not want to break away from the church or generally piss off the church in any way. This is one of the things that's said about people like Tom Cruise. The critics of the church suggest that the reason that Tom Cruise 
doesn't speak out against Scientology is that, in a sense, they are holding this information on him. They've got lots of his private uh, information from his audits. And in a sense, they're kind of blackmailing him. This is a criticism that's been made by lots of, you know, lots of people in these documentaries and things um, that they're blackmailing him. And therefore, he's sort of in a position where he can't speak out against them. There's nothing he can do. He's under their control kind of thing. So auditing works a lot like therapy, really. You, You feel better when you've talked about your problems, especially when someone is telling you, that genuine progress has been made with the e-meter and you feel like you're part of a sort of uh, a system. The idea is that you keep going through a, a complex hierarchy in the organization as you reach this state called clear. Clear is where you've removed all of these painful memories and painful associations. You become free of all this stuff. You reach this level called clear. And then after that, you reach something called operational thetan, where this is where all the sort of uh, the more weird language and that strange stuff about alien spirits starts to come into it as you reach the higher levels of the organization now you don't get access to all that information at the beginning instead it's just like yeah you know you know you had a bad experience with your with your father uh, and you're clear of that now that's moved that's away so now you can move on to the next part but to move to the next level you know you still got some deep issues because of you know something that happened in a former life to reach the next level you've got to make you know whatever donations and it ends up being like a pyramid program where the members are donating more and more money and progressing through the the system and then the theology the underlying theology gets revealed to you as you sort of have invested more and more time and money into it so it's not until the late stages of being a scientologist is it revealed to you what the story really is about aliens and volcanoes and stuff. Now, this has been described, this re- this kind of pullback and reveal has been described by some critics as a typical example of a bait-and-switch fraud. There's that word again, fraud. Fraud is a crime. You can also describe a person as being a fraud. But a fraud is a crime which involves deception and then some kind of financial gain. For example... Common types of fraud, F-R-A-U-D. Common types of fraud would be falsifying financial records, so lying on, on, on tax statements and avoiding tax, or maybe even something like printing fake money. Both of those things are types of fraud. Uh, but there are more complex versions as well. For example, the bait-and-switch fraud, which is a term used usually to describe a form of fraud in a retail context, in a, in a buying and selling in shops context, retail. So what is bait-and-switch fraud? This is a deceptive sales technique where the customer is led to believe that they're buying one thing, which is the bait, and then at some point, during the sales process, this thing is switched and the customer finds out later that they're actually buying something else, not the same thing that they thought they were buying in the first place. Now, the thing is that they might have already committed to the purchase and by the time they find out that it's not the same thing and that it's something else, by that time, it's too late to turn back and they end up buying it anyway, even if it's more expensive and not, in fact, the thing they thought they were purchasing at the beginning. So in retail, it could work a bit like this. So in retail, imagine it's, for example, someone buying 
buying something. Let's say it's um, a, a fridge or a car or something like that. So the customer is baited. Baited, like in fishing. When, you, when you're trying to catch a fish, you need a, a line, you need the fishing rod, you need a hook at the end of the line, you probably need a weight to keep the thing under the water, and you need bait. Bait is the stuff that's going to attract the fish. It's probably a little worm, a little wiggly worm. That's the bait that goes on the hook. And the bait, the function of the bait is to attract the fish in and the fish comes and, and takes the bait and then you've hooked the fish, you see? So the customer is baited, sort of attracted in, like in fishing. Uh, the customer is baited by advertising, for example, by like a piece of advertising in, the, in a magazine or a newspaper or TV or radio. So this is the advertising. It's like, come in for your, you know, uh, this special refrigerator, now 50% off, you know, this week only at blah blah Fridge Shop. Um, so you go down, you take the bait, if you're the customer, oh, 50% off the fridge, we need a fridge, let's go down and buy that model, which is 50% off, you're baited. Um, or it could be a great discount offer or something. And then when the customer arrives in the store to make the purchase... They are then told by sales assistants that the product is actually sold out. Sorry, it's not available anymore. At which point the sales staff then apply loads and loads of pressure and sales techniques on that person, encouraging them to buy another similar product, which is actually more expensive. That's the switch. So the bait is pulling people in. The switch is where uh, they move from that product to another product. Now, you can imagine if you've made the effort to leave the house, to travel to the store. Perhaps you've started to get excited about your new thing. Um, you started to get excited about getting it. Perhaps you've made promises to other people about it. And then it's unavailable. You find out at the last moment that it's actually unavailable. After all that commitment, you might actually be easily convinced to buy something else, even if it is at a higher price. So that's how bait and, and switch uh, works arguably it's the same principle here you're sold a self-help system that seems scientific and rational and that will help you to be the best version of yourself this is the bait and it works a bit at first because getting stuff off your chest talking about your past does feel good it helps to lighten the load and also being part of the community is a good feeling and you know you start to feel like you're part of this belief system which is going to help you and help the world and you feel like you're doing good things and then you put in lots of time and lots of money to rise through the different levels of the organization because you want to be the best version of yourself. But it's not until you get to a really high level that the church actually reveals that it's all based on this theological manuscript, a creation story, the final revelation of Scientology, this creation story that was written by L. Ron Hubbard that sounds like something out of a Marvel Avengers movie but which is the foundation of the whole belief system. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, Scientology, when they, uh, Scientology continues to sort of um, dismiss this stuff as being untrue. They say all the, this stuff about the theological story that's revealed at the end, they deny it, they say it's not true. But in the documentaries, all these people who've left the church, um, who say that they've woken up and they got out and it's a nightmare and they decide to tell the truth to the world about it. Uh, according to them, this stuff is all true. 
about the creation story and stuff. Okay, but it is it is controversial, and the church still denies it. But anyway, this is what people are saying in those documentaries. The church says that new members can't have access to this special creation story. They can't have access to this information at the beginning because it would be too much for them to take. Their minds would not be able to accept it, which is <laughs> which is too right, really, isn't it? You know, if, if you imagine if you go into a Scientology building on day one and you say, hello, I'm interested in uh, Scientology. Um, I just feel like it might help me. Um, can you give me some information? And the first leaflet that you read is that, well, uh, everything you've been told is is not true. The Christian myth, the myth of all the other religions, uh, all the other stories, science, all that stuff, It's it's they're, they're all lies. And in fact, the real truth is that um, uh, what happened is that 75 million years ago, there was this alien called Zenu, and he uh, he lived on, a, on another planet, and uh, his planet was overpopulated with people, and he thought it was a nightmare, too many people. And so he decided that he would get rid of some of the population by freezing them. So he froze them with special uh, medicine. He also had the help of evil psychiatrists and tax collectors to do it. By the way, folks, this is the real story. Um, and so he froze all these people and sent them in spaceships to Earth. And he stacked up all the frozen uh, bodies of these people uh, around volcanoes. And then he dropped um, atomic bombs on all of them, blowing them all up. And when everyone got blown up, their souls got released. And all these souls were flying around. And Zenu, this evil bad guy from another planet, collected all the souls. They kind of collected them all up and he put them in a cinema and he made them all watch this propaganda, all these movies. So they were forced to watch all these movies, a bit like in A Clockwork Orange, where their eyes were forced open and they had to watch all this stuff. And all the movies like brainwashed them with all these stories and all these other myths, all these lies to cover up the, the real truth that he'd actually taken them from another planet to kill them. Uh, so he collected all their souls up and forced them to watch all this stuff, which, and all that stuff about, you know, all the different religions in the world, all the belief systems that you thought you believed in, all that stuff, it's all lies from propaganda by Xenu 75 million years ago. Um, that's right. And hu- the human race, we are all descended from the, the, the people who survived the nuclear winter and the souls that were left floating around, the souls that had been brainwashed by the, these movies, they attached to these people, our descendants. And ever since now, whenever a baby is born, any other souls that are flying around attach themselves to the baby. And, um, and we are now like basically vessels for these uh, lost souls. And that's why you feel um, unconfident. That's why... Uh, you, you feel depressed because you are housing these lost souls, and what you need to do is go into auditing sessions at your psych, your local Scientology center, and release them, release these lost souls. And when you do that, you will reach the perfect state of clear, and then everything will be all right. If you walked into a, a Scientology center and they told you that on day one, you'd be like, "Well, thank you, good morning, goodbye," and then you know you'd just be out the door, wouldn't you? But they don't do that. They say certainly, you know, take this personality test uh, and then uh, do this auditing session, and then and then it's not until ages and ages and ages later that you find out the true uh, uh, underpinning sort of uh, theology of it. Um, so 
yeah, only after years of auditing or payments are people ready to accept the true story. That's what they say. They say that if if you get the the this story at the beginning, then your brain won't be able to take it. Yeah. So, by the way, ladies and gents, we don't know how how L. Ron Hubbard got this story. How did he know? How does he know? How did he know that all this stuff happened seventy five million years ago? No explanation for how he got the information. No explanation for how any of it is even remotely possible. And we don't have actually any evidence that the story is true beyond just a handwritten account from the leader himself. It's different from other religions because in other religions they tell you the story of creation first. But this one, in this one, it's slowly given to you bit by bit, as you pay more and more money and become more and more involved and invested in the church. And you will have invested years of your life into it until you reach the level that you're allowed to read Hubbard's original texts and find out that we're all housing alien spirits that came to Earth and landed in volcanoes. Now, I wonder how it feels when you discover that after having risen through the ranks of the church over, over the years. How do you think it feels to discover that kind of thing? Well, um, I'd like to play you a clip uh, from that documentary called Going Clear. This is just a short clip that you can find on YouTube. One of the people you're going to hear here is uh, a filmmaker, because a lot of the people in Scientology in in, uh, California are in the movie industry. So this is Paul Haggis, who is an Oscar-winning Canadian filmmaker who used to be in the church, but he left. And this is him describing how... Uh, he discovered what the real story is when he reached the certain level and how it blew his mind and he and he decided that this was all completely ridiculous. I finally get to OT3 and they give me the secret materials which you've been hearing about all this time. They're handwritten by Hubbard. You have to keep them in a locked briefcase. Be very cautious because they've always said if this gets out, it's dangerous to people. It can actually do them harm if they are not adequately prepared. I read it and it doesn't make any sense this gobbled story that didn't make sense I think remember for one fleeting second thinking well maybe it's an insanity test maybe if you believe this they kick you out <laughs> maybe that's it that of course is not the case they talk about you know the fact that the earth was created in such and such trillions of years ago and this this guy Galactic overlord, this was the prison planet and people being caught and captured and being brought to planet Earth. And put them in volcanoes and then blow them up with A-bombs. Whoa. I studied geography in school. Those volcanoes didn't exist 75 million years ago. And we have these lost souls all over us and we have to get rid of them. And I'm going, what? (laughs) The fuck are you talking about? (laughs) I'm down for the self-help stuff. I'm down for, okay, I can be clear. I can, you know, I can get rid of those, the negative emotions. But what the fuck is this? All right. <laughs> You've got to watch Going Clear. It's an amazing documentary. It's really stunning. Now, I mean, you know, what, you can either decide that, that these people are telling the truth about Scientology, in which case it's a shocking, uh, you know, it's shocking, shocking revelations, or you can you know, choose not to believe them. And, and even still, it's still shocking that these people are, are saying these things. Um, so the story, that obviously this creation story is, is ridiculous, isn't it? 
but it would be hard sort of not to go along with it if you've devoted your whole life to it already or maybe or maybe if you'd been born into it and everyone else in your family was part of it uh it it might be something that you could believe in you know if if um if it's a question of either you believe this or you reject your entire belief system that you've lived so far a lot of people are going to choose to believe the story aren't they it's pretty weird though it's pretty weird what does it say about human psychology and even just the idea of belief systems um so if you are interested you could watch the the documentary called going clear which I think you can see on Netflix. Uh, Scientologists hate the uh, the documentary. They don't agree with any of its claims, uh, but there are some shocking stories, and it's very convincing, I have to say, with loads of ex-Scientologists speaking out against the church and revealing their stories. Uh, So, you know, Scientologists, if if you believe all that stuff, Scientology does seem pretty messed up. But the thing is, I actually like tom cruise movies that's the problem they're usually quite good aren't they tom cruise films he's he's really intense he's really good at running so i don't know anyway there you go that was my rant about uh, the church of scientology and i was that's it i was going to s- sort of somehow connect will smith and scientology together well since uh doing this i um what was it i was kind of reading up about scientology and i discovered that there have been some reports in the press that Will Smith and his wife used to be Scientologists, that they were in the church. I don't know how they got involved in it, but apparently they were in the church. It seems that they were members and that they left. Let me see. Uh, I should probably um, back that up with something, um, right? Like something I read. All right. Well, this is from the Daily Mail, not a website or a newspaper I enjoy reading really but um let's see what they have to say you can take this with a pinch of salt because it's on the daily mail website uh and and you know what does it actually mean but it's it says will smith is not a scientologist says a former senior executive of the religion that counts tom cruise and john travolta among its celebrity members will smith is not a scientologist according to a former high up member of the religion uh, blah de blah. Mike Rinder, who was once a Scientology senior executive, insisted in an interview with the Daily Beast on Wednesday that the Independence Day star never signed up as a card-carrying member of Scientology. He was joined in that assertion or that assertion by journalist Tony Ortega, who's investigated the religion. All right, that's weird because I read that someone had checked his tax record, which was publicly available, and they saw that Scientology paid him uh, a sum of money which looked like a sort of um, uh, it, it looked like a kind of a, a refund or a, a some sort of payment I guess the only thing we can say is that there is speculation around whether or not uh, Will Smith uh, was a Scientologist or whether he um, left the church and as some sort of legal maybe there's some kind of uh, injunction which means that uh, they're not allowed to say that he was a member of the church, uh, but there's a lot of sort of weird speculation around um, around it. Now, why is the Daily Mail publishing a story saying that he's not a Scientologist? You know, you could publish that story about anyone, couldn't you? You'd just be like a massive list of uh, millions of people. All these people are not Scientologists. Why is it necessary to, to publish that information unless there's been some link between him and, and the church? Anyway, that's that's pretty... 
tenuous, I suppose, quite a tenuous link between the two. But I did manage to link the two somehow, didn't I? Uh, yeah, I did in the end. Okay. Thanks for listening to me going on, ranting on about Scientology in this episode. Um, as ever, I'd love to know what you think. Do you have Scientology centres in your countries? How does your country deal with uh, Scientology? In France, Scientology is not very welcome. In fact, in France, a, um, a parliamentary report in 1995, according to Wikipedia, uh, listed Scientology as a cult. And um, it was also... There were accusations of fraud. Here's a, a story from The Telegraph. It goes like this. Uh, Scientology's fraud conviction upheld in France. If a conviction is upheld, it means the court uh, decides that the a previous conviction is still true or still stands. So the, the, the conviction was upheld, probably in an appeal. And it goes like this. France's top appeals court has upheld a fraud conviction and fines totaling hundreds of thousands of euros against the Church of Scientology for taking advantage of vulnerable followers. So in, in France, it seems that uh, uh, the state or at least the, 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 the courts have taken rather a, a strict position on Scientology. I wonder how it is in your country where you live. Um, Thanks for listening all the way up to the end of this episode. I'm fascinated to know your your thoughts on the subject too. In the next episode, the plan is that we're going to leave Los Angeles and we're going to go, we're going to venture out into the national parks and we're going to visit the Navajo Nation, which I didn't really know about much uh, before this trip. This is a, it's a sovereign nation that exists within the United States of America, populated by the Navajo um, this tribe of Native Americans or Indians. Uh, it's a sovereign state in the United States with a president that they vote for. It's fascinating. And also the site of so many incredible natural wonders. That's the sort of stuff I'll be talking about in the next episode. And when this Holiday Diary series is over, it'll be back to sort of the normal podcasting that I usually do, including conversations with guests and some other stuff like that. Thanks so much for listening. Speak to you on the podcast soon. But for now, goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.